Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Inspire the Podcast with myself, Nicola Wills. So today's guest is the UK's leading voice in law of attraction. She is an award-winning life coach, three times best-selling author of her books, Positively Wealthy and Hurt Healing Healed, manifestation YouTuber, speaker, and podcast host of the number one spirituality podcast on iTunes, Spiritual Queen's Badass Podcast. Her work helps you turn your dream life into an abundant reality using the law of attraction and spirituality. Please welcome Emma Mumford. Hi, Nicola. Hi, darling. Thank you so, so, so much for joining us. So just listening to your biography, it's like, oh my goodness, this this lady must be buzzing on the highest of frequencies. You know, helping these many people, changing these many people's lives, learning and knowing about the law of, law of attraction and manifesting. Let's take it all the way back to where it all began. Tell us about your childhood and what that looked like. Yeah, and it's interesting you asked me that question because I think if we'd had this conversation a year ago, um, I would probably tell you what I'm going to tell you now. So I'm going to do this a little bit backwards. I'm going to go from the perspective of a year ago childhood. Then we'll go into like the main bulk of the story. And then I'm going to circle back to the childhood just because it makes so much more sense um, when you hear later in life things. So how I would have always described my childhood was pretty normal. Like I would say, you know, I had two loving parents. I, you know, we always, like my needs were always met. Like we always had food on the table, clothes, like anything that I needed. And I'm an only child. So obviously, you know, it was navigating that by myself. Like it did feel quite lonely sometimes because we didn't have like the most huge family. Um, you know, like my parents only sort of like had their parents and like a sibling. My uncle lived in Australia. So we didn't have like a huge, huge family around us. So for me, friendships were huge in my childhood. And I had some lovely friendships throughout my childhood that have continued into my adulthood as well. So I would always say I kind of felt like I didn't really fit in. If I'm honest, I feel like I've always kind of been like the weird kind of wacky one at my friendship groups. Um, and I guess like I just never really kind of fitted in with the stereotypes of like school and you know, the groups at school and things. Yeah. So I wouldn't say that I kind of have a history or a childhood of being like super spiritual or having super like spiritual parents. They are probably the most atheist people ever, my parents. And for me, you know, I was brought up obviously like most in the UK, um, you know, learning about Christianity, like being in a church, church of England school. So like, you know, that was kind of always there, but I think, you know, I was kind of always like, oh yeah, whatever sort of thing towards religion and kind of that belief. So yeah, I would say my childhood was relatively normal, but we will get back to that later on. But then kind of going into my teenage years, that's where kind of the issues really start to arise, like for most teenagers, for most of us. And I really started to feel emotions and feelings that I didn't really understand. For most of my teenagers, I had anxiety and depression, but I didn't really have a name for it at that time. It just felt like a very lonely time for me. And I actually um, remember finding a book on Buddhism and just picking it up and reading it. This is when I was about 16. And it just spoke to me in a way that kind of a lot of practices hadn't before. And I actually started a meditation practice from that point 
again, with no intention of being spiritual or anything like that. It was mainly a coping mechanism to just navigate through those kind of seemingly lonely times and the emotions that were sort of coming up. But I definitely wasn't an academic person. I really struggled with education. Um, Again, I think there's so much unraveling around this now that I'm able to see so much clearly, but at the time it felt um, really frustrating that I wanted to do well. Like I put time and effort in, but I just wasn't someone who could sit and thrive in an exam environment or do really well in, you know, really kind of um, curricular activities like maths. Um, English I was always quite good at, and I loved doing drama and performing arts and singing. Those things really used to light me up. Um, but yeah, I would say kind of like from someone on the outside looking in, like I was definitely kind of like your average play Jane in terms of most things in my life at that time. So interesting. So let's go full circle back then. What was it? What actually have you, I, by the sounds of it, you've revealed your childhood to actually be different to what you thought that it was, right? Yeah, a hundred percent. Oh my gosh, that's tell like- me everything. That's it's a strange one because it's actually very recent as well. It's not something that I've had years to unpack or years to kind of sit with. So if anybody does know my story and knows how on earth I got to be coupon queen and spiritual queen here and now, there's obviously a lot of depth and a lot of darkness to that story with mental health, suicidal thoughts. So the anxiety and depression really continued on throughout my young adulthood. Um, obviously having its peak points um, around my spiritual awakenings and obviously those um, kind of triggering off the start of my businesses and obviously my journey that you see now. And obviously along that journey, obviously finding the law of attraction, you know, beginning to have a positive mindset, learning how to love myself, you know, there's a lot of healing that takes place. And when I wrote Hurt Healing Healed, my um, third book back in 2020, so it took me about 18 months to write, I went on this as like many of did during lockdown, this huge healing journey of learning about my inner child, learning why I felt certain things, learning I had such severe depression and anxiety throughout, you know, most of my years that I can remember. And it always felt like as I was, you know, coping people and going along my kind of spiritual career, you know, it always made sense why people had depression or anxiety or mental health things. Like I could work with them and see very easily like, oh, that's why like we've pinpointed the root of that. Whereas for me, I couldn't. And you know, I would kind of look at my relationship with my parents and be like, well, maybe there was a bit of an emotional neglect there. Like most of us can kind of, you know, resonate with anyway. Um, But there was nothing sort of severe enough that would kind of warrant years of my behavior, years of addictive patterns, years of depression and anxiety. So I always felt like I was, there was this kind of like missing puzzle piece, so to speak. And that when writing Hurtling Healed, you know, some of those puzzle pieces did come together, but ironically, the real root things didn't actually come up until after I stopped writing the book. So I found that was really interesting. And also really interestingly, is none of this came up until I was in a happy, healthy relationship I'm in now. And again, this baffled me that as soon as I met my partner, I got diagnosed with PTSD. I had all this, you know, healing and inner work coming up and trauma work coming up. And that to me was just, I honestly thought, Nicola, like, I'm like, what's wrong with me? Like, I'm yeah, out here, yeah. best, like, the best life. 
And I manifested my best life, but now I have all this inner work and all this trauma to kind of sort through. But what I've learned through, you know, through going through this journey is actually that, you know, the so most of the time it does come up because your body feels finally safe enough to exhale. Yeah. Your body finally feels safe enough to be like, I can look at that now. It's safe enough for me now. So yeah, it's it's really interesting when you kind of like go through the journey and then you're like, wow, okay, now's the time that all comes up. But a couple of months ago, I turned 30 and leading up to my 30th birthday, I had uncovered earlier this year, quite a big childhood trauma, which again made sense, but it wasn't, I would say severe enough to kind of make the full picture sense. But I took it because I was like, well, I've uncovered that. It must be that, right? And then slowly and slowly the more root cause came up and I uncovered that I was actually sexually abused as a child and I had no recollection of this until one day in a therapy session I was with my therapist Trevor and it just came up oh. and obviously it was very confronting and obviously a lot because obviously you, when you've lived 30 years of your life nearly yeah. thinking you're one way and telling that story like I did in the beginning, thinking like that was my childhood. Having then repressed memories come up is the most bizarre feeling ever because you question it. Like, is this even real? Did this happen to me? Yeah. But obviously my body knew, obviously I knew deep down that that made a heck of a lot of sense. And the memories and the triggers in my body and the PTSD, everything, it was like, boom, it finally makes sense. So it's really strange now to reflect back and think, huh, okay, how would I describe my childhood? Because wow. still I'm processing and integrating all that information that I yeah. didn't have access to and still don't have full access to either. It's a process, you know? So yeah, like everything now makes a ton more sense to me, but yeah. I think it's quite confusing for so long of your life as well to not have those answers. Yeah. So can I ask a question here? Mm. How, so you were saying you're in your therapy session with Trevor. Amazing Trevor, sounds incredible. When you said it came up, how does that come up? Is it something, is it a memory that then is there? Is it something that he says? Like, can you go deeper into that so people can really understand, you know, there, I know there are lots of listeners who have never been to therapy, would, would love to, or maybe they're like, thinking, oh, I don't really need that, but maybe they are suffering like you were. Um, and, you know, uh, like a, just an insight into what that would look like. Yeah. And Gabby Bernstein actually talks about this as well in her book, Happy Days. And it's actually been really comforting for me to read that, that actually she had a very similar experience because then you don't feel so alone. And for me, yeah. when I'm questioning so much about that experience anyway, obviously working with great people to process and heal that, um, it's actually really, really common. And I'm sure I read a statistic somewhere that, um, 15% of people who experience abuse will fully suppress the memory. So they'll go around being like, no, nothing's happened to me. And they will have absolutely zero knowledge. So there are some people who will remember things that happened to them throughout their life and in their childhood. Um, maybe you just have a feeling that something happened like yeah. I did, but there will be people who have absolutely zero recollection and boom, it comes up. A lot of people have this when they get pregnant or they have a child of their own, that tends to be quite a big time that suppressed memories will come up. But for me personally, it was definitely a process. So I was working with Trevor right weekly sessions. 
I was also still working on the things that had come up earlier this year that were still tra um, trauma from my childhood. So I would say the first part was definitely that when that came up at the beginning of the year. And that felt quite more gentle. That felt like I felt very accepting of it, even yeah. at the first point when it came up, because I was already doing the work. I was doing EMDR, which is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, which is fantastic for PTSD, fantastic for limiting beliefs, fears, trauma. Like, highly recommend it if anybody thinks they have gone through anything. It is so effective. And the only tool modality I believe that has really given me, like, groundbreaking results where I do feel whole ton better in my life. And Gabby Bernstein's worked with it as well with her trauma. So when this particular trauma came up, it was really, really strange because I kind of felt a bit triggered for a few days around sexual abuse, around feeling safe as a woman now here at, you know, 20 yeah. at that point. And these weren't new feelings to me. Like I'd always had this fear of being attacked. I'd always had, and you know, I'd always been scared of men. And I was like, why am I feeling this? Like yeah. nothing has happened to me in my life like that. Why would I feel so much fear around men and being attacked? Like, what is the root of this? Like, why would I feel this? So I was working on that in sessions with Trevor. And again, like leading up to the days before I felt a lot of anxiety of nowhere and I haven't had an anxiety attack for years. So this was really out of the blue for me, but obviously I just turned to my tools, turned to my practices and just, you know, tried to regulate myself as much as possible. Then when my friend came over, that's when it really hit. We literally went for a walk. That was it. And I was feeling really triggered about things that had come up and I came back and I had this full blown panic attack, just like I had back in the old days, the same feelings, the same emotions, the same triggers. So my trigger for an anxiety attack is this heat coming over me where I get really, really hot. I'd feel like I'm going to be sick, but I'm never sick. I just feel like I'm going to be sick. And it's this heat that comes over me and I just feel like I'm going to throw up right here and right now. And that was the same. That was every panic attack I had was exactly the same. That was the trigger. So I felt myself having this. And my cue when I had my panic attacks between about ages 18 to sort of like 23 was I would run to the bathroom. I would always run to the bathroom. I thought I was going to be sick, obviously. Yeah. As soon as I'd run to the bathroom, I'd feel 100% safe. The feeling would go. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to be sick. Oh, I'm fine now. And then I'd go back out and the anxiety would happen again. So this happened and I hadn't had this for so many years that I was back like, oh my God, like, why is it come back? Why am I having this panic attack? So I was sat in my bathroom, I'd run up to the bathroom and I was like, why do I feel instantly safe when I'm in a bathroom? Like, this is so strange. So I started to like connect these dots and obviously my friend came up and asked if I was okay and we were like talking about things. And I said to her, I was like, Hannah, I think something really bad happened to me in my childhood. I think it's around bathrooms. Like I only feel safe in a bathroom and I just feel this horrible feeling in my body. And ironically, I'd had a psychic reading that week as well. And she tapped into it and basically said like, something really bad's happened that I know you're uncovering. And she said, I, feel, I hadn't told her anything. She was like, "You feel? I feel this sickness, this heat, like I'm gonna be sick. So it was really, really strange that even she was picking up on this. So obviously I booked straight in with Trevor and basically we worked with certain um, modalities within that session, EMDR and other, um, I don't know exactly what he would call them tool-wise, but other tools 
to basically start to uncover this. So at first I would have flickers and flashes of um, bath herbs and stuff like that, like, you know, actual physical things. Um, and then, it, you know, I would gradually see more and gradually feel more. But I think for me, it's definitely more of a feeling rather than boom, the whole event, I can see it clearly. Like I can't access it fully, definitely not. Um, so it will come up differently for everybody. And even if this is really triggering to hear, because I can imagine it is for people listening, um, you know, there is absolutely support out for you. And as, you know, challenging as it can be sometimes for these things to come up, you know, you do have the tools and resources around that are people that can support you with that. And you're not alone. Like there are so many people who go through these experiences in life and, you know, I'm such a stronger person for it. Fine. And I feel like my work has deepened to a whole new level, even over the summer, as this has unfolded, as I've kind of, you know, had to navigate this going into a new decade of my life. So I'm grateful that it did come up before I turned 30 because then I could work on it and then know that I can enter this new decade of my life without that trauma, without that story and, you know, start afresh. Oh my gosh. I have got goose pimples all over my body. It's And I feel sick with the listening to that story because, you know, I feel like so many people can relate to that, but it's mm. like, it's that relatability, but not knowing. It's like, well, why do I relate to her so much? Because I don't feel like anything like that's happened to me. But the feeling of my everyday life is not settled. And yeah. you know, the, your body holds the score, right? Your body knew and has always known. And it's like, it's whenever the time was right for you for allowing your body to tell you. Gosh, just, just yeah. so, so powerful. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I can still see that you're working through those things. Like, can you pinpoint like an age, you know, that kind of stuff? Does that happen? You know, you're like, okay, oh, when I was four, is that why it's suppressed so much because you were so young? Or is it because you would remember it, but it was so traumatic that your body suppressed it? Yeah. So again, I'm not the like psychologist expert on all of this, but from what I had and from what I know myself and have experienced, um, Again, there are experiences where I can say right at three years old, yeah, that happened to me. And using things like EMDR do help you. I don't think it's necessarily important to know the age. Like, I don't think there's anything you can benefit from knowing the age personally, but from that modality, you do identify the age to obviously desensitize it and to process it. So yeah, yeah I do know ages of some stuff, absolutely. But this particular experience, I don't have a clear age on, and I don't think there's a process or yes. a kind of set linear structure of how that is uncovered. And I also don't think it's important to know yeah. that. I think what's most important is that I have an awareness of what happened yeah. and I'm working through that and using great tools to be able to process that. So the reason why we suppress stuff to my awareness and knowledge is that basically our, our brain, our body, our subconscious can't physically process it. It's so traumatic to the self. And I think, you know, trauma has quite a big presence to the word. A lot of people may be listening to this saying, you know, I haven't experienced trauma, but um, as Gabriel Mate says, there's big T's and little T's. So the Can big you? traumas are exactly like what I've uncovered this summer. Little T's are something like, you know, when you're in a playground and someone says, you know, well, who are you to do that? Or a teacher yeah. puts you down. Yeah. 
So we all have those small traumas in life, absolutely. Um, so when I use the word trauma, it still absolutely can, you know, yeah. relate to small traumas as well. But the reason why we tend to suppress big traumas is because when we're so young, especially, we just can't process it. We don't have the awareness, the tools, or anything really to process that information and process what is happening to us. So when we're in freeze flight fawn mode, you know, our body is just trying to survive at that point. Yeah. Our mind is just trying to keep us alive. We really go into those kind of like survival basic kind of human instincts. So really the suppression of it into the subconscious is protecting you. So I think right. even that was a big mindset shift for me yeah. to realize actually my body wasn't punishing me by hiding this, it was protecting me. Yeah. And it thought that that was the best thing to do at that time. And actually now I'm an adult and I am aware of, you know, the inner work and the tools and healing, like, thank God it came up now. And not when I was, you know, feeling suicidal at 18 years yeah, old in my yeah. I wouldn't have been able to navigate it. So I do believe it comes up at the time that is right for you yeah. and that it needs to. And I think that's why we shouldn't fear it because it will set you free. Yeah. And how do you feel in your body today? You know, comparative to the beginning of summer? Yeah, that's an interesting one because I would always have associated it with more limiting beliefs or more of like the cognitive mindset stuff yeah. rather than like I always felt a tension in my body or things like that. I guess to some degree, absolutely, I would have. And I do think that I definitely feel safer in my body now. Yeah. I don't think there was, I mean, basically four or five years ago, I had a huge hormone imbalance, which gave me chronic acne. Again, now it makes a ton of sense why yeah, I've gone yeah. through so many issues and womb issues. Um, so yeah, there's nothing like physically like that that was present. A lot of people can have physical health conditions yeah. that can like show up as a rival of suppressed, but like trauma in the body. Because like you said, the body keeps the score. score yeah. And I love um, the Emotion Code and Body Code by, I think it's Dr. Bradley Nelson. Oh my gosh, I can't remember his name. It's called the Emotion Code. And I loved working with this tool modality as well throughout healing because it's really allowed me to understand that we trap emotions and trauma in the body as well. So yeah, yeah overall from working with those modality for years, not just over the summer, I would definitely say I feel more relaxed in my body and safer, yeah. but... I think the biggest shifts I've seen have been more mindset around um, when things go well, it's safe, bad things yeah. aren't going to happen straight away um, and enjoying being able to enjoy the present moment and those happy things as well. Yeah. And have you had a panic attack since that time? No, not since when it initially that came last, up. So. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that with us because I can tell just by listening to you and my emotional reaction to you that is still so raw for you. Um, so thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. And, and also, I know within your work, having gone through this yourself, as much as it, it's awful that what's happened, it's like a gift because now you what you have learned, you are able to help so, so, so many people from your, you know, your absolutely awful experience. But it's... I, and I know that you'll think of that in this next decade, your tw 30s to 40s, it's going to be life transformative, not only for you, but for the thousands of people that you can help because you've been through potentially what they've been through. So thank you so much for that. So you're in your teenage years, you're not having the best of times. 
what happens when you leave school? What do you go into? Yeah, so I never really sort of knew what I wanted to do. My dad was an entrepreneur, so I knew that I kind of wanted to follow in his footsteps. And I kind of had that craving for that. But obviously, like back in the day when I was, like there yeah. was like YouTube was such a fresh baby. There weren't influencers. There weren't people like, especially women running their own businesses yeah. online. There was none of this. So obviously when I did business studies in sixth form, they were like, Emma, you can't be the product. You need this to invent something. You need to create a product. Obviously I was like, I've got no idea. So I did the sensible thing and I went and got a job to start creating oh. money and start being <laughs> yeah. financially kind of, you know, independent. I had no interest in going to university, nothing like that. I didn't know what I wanted to study, no idea. So I kind of feel like kind of like flaked through those years of like, I'll just go get a job. That was the easiest thing to do. And I also didn't really have the grades as well to go to university and do all the (laughs) things I wanted to do. So there was kind of two aspects to that and I didn't want to do it ultimately. And I'm glad I didn't do it. so I went and got um, retail jobs to start off with. And then I actually fell into banking really randomly, really synchronistically. And I never wanted to be a banker. I got a D in math. So math was not my strong. <laughs> and I was like, how have I ended up in banking? Yeah. But I was banking manager as well at a really young age. And it was like, I loved communicating with people. I loved like meeting people and helping them. That has always echoed throughout every job I've had. But the sales pressure and obviously putting people into debt was all destroying because yeah. you have two ends of the scale. You have, you know, like my little old ladies who would come in and I'd make them a cup of tea. I'd love speaking to them. And my boss would be like, have you given them a 10 grand loan? And I'm like, no, because they don't need one. Why yeah. would they need they have money. Um, and then on the flip side, I'd have people come in who would be desperate and need that money more than anything just to feed their kids. And if the computer says no, the computer says no. And telling someone, I'm really sorry, I can't give you that yeah. money is horrible, like such a horrible feeling. So I just knew that, you know, being empathic, this was not a good no. space for me to be. <laughs> and ultimately as well, I was in my first not so great relationship at that time. And he'd had about 30 grand debt I didn't know about. And we started having bailiffs turn up at the door demanding money. And obviously my logical Virgo was like, right, it's seven grand. I'll take out a loan through the bank. I get preferential rates as an employee. So I'll take it on and then you pay me each month. Well, Nicola, you can guess what happened. The relationship And he never paid a single penny of that loan. Oh my so, God, I've got the same story. I have got that story. Don't worry, babe, I'll pay all your tax. And then next, you know, over the next year, you can just pay it off for me. Uh, hello, 10 years later, I'm still waiting. It's, yeah. why were we those women? Why? It's, and it's true. We yeah, we do just want to help. And when, you know, we love someone, even if they're not even that nice, you feel you can help, you do, and you just go out of your way to do that. Um, and mm-hmm. being, empath, um, being an empath, it is that like, oh, I don't want you to feel bad so I can help you not feel so bad. But yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course, he did, of course, you, it, you know, he never paid you back. Obviously. And I mean, who wants bailiffs at their door I anyway? Know, like yeah, it, exactly. It was not a great experience. Um, 
So yeah, like obviously I think my age played into it as well because although I was working in the bank, although I had been trained in the bank, though like even the bank had a whole course on like if someone comes into you and says they're taking money out for their partner, why you shouldn't give them the loan. Like there was <laughs> lots of warning. But ultimately, like as women especially, like we're not yeah. taught how to manage money. We're not educated around savings, credit, <laughs> like money tools. I feel like this is such a common story. And obviously at the time this happened back in 2012 for me, there weren't laws in place, whereas there are laws in place now that do protect women and obviously men as well um, against taking on their partner's debt and then the person not paying. So thankfully there's laws in place now. That is that's amazing. I actually didn't know that. Um, and so would that not, so instead, for example, if that happened now, would the bank then not charge you or do you just not be able to take that loan at all? So basically from a legal perspective, if someone came into a bank and said, I want to take out a loan for my boyfriend to clear his debt, you're not actually technically under the code of conduct allowed to give it out yeah, anyway. Okay. It has to be or like that was always the case. But in terms of if someone has or is in that situation, obviously you would need to take that person to court. But essentially from my understanding of it, um, if you can prove explicitly that it's not your debt, it's not like yeah. you were paying it for someone else and there was an agreement in place they would pay you, obviously, you know, there would be an agreement, I guess, between the bank to take the money from that person. I've got no idea, but that's how I understand yeah. it. Yeah. And you know what? I feel like so many people, like my my podcast, my listeners, hi guys, are we're all we're all women, we're all girls. Like and the amount of people that message me whenever I talk about some kind of like relationship. My you know, I'm 40 now, so you know, I feel like the last 10 years I've kind of nailed it, but the, the 10 years before that was tragic on another level of boyfriends mm -hmm. and experiences and money. And you know, whenever I share those kind of things on my social media, on the podcast, that is when I get the most amount of women contacting me because we do do those things. And so that is just so helpful. If you are listening to this right now, I feel like, you know, and you're thinking, oh, well, my husband needs a bit of money. Maybe I can get it out for him while I help him with this debt. No, no, no. Just just think about ourselves first. And, and I think that's something that definitely through my 30s, I had to, Nicola, what is best for you? what you are the person in your life that you need to look after is what I'm about to do going to put you first and help you. And if it's not, then you don't do it. And, and then to saying no to a lot of people, you know, boyfriends, dads, friends. In my 30s, I've learned that lesson, but in my 20s was, um, oh yeah, a whole different scenario. So Emma, we're, we're in the banking world. Are you, are you, aware at this time of like the law of attraction and manifesting do you did you know what it was that it's such a tangible thing back then or were you just kind of in your nine to five life saving your boyfriend literally that in my nine to five completely oblivious no faith doing nothing i've got anxiety i've got depression up while having those panic attacks i was telling you about in the you know the bathroom of the bank so when that relationship broke down, obviously it was extremely triggering to yeah. go into work, be in debt myself and put people into debt. So I just knew that like the panic attacks were getting worse. It was just not good. So I knew you know, I would get out of this job. You know, yeah. I've got this debt to clear. I'm just going to go get a part-time retail job just to like ground myself and just have money to start paying this yeah. off and, you know, heal as well from the breakup of that relationship. So moving back into my parents, 
going for a part-time retail job was literally all I could do at that point. And my parents, you know, obviously could see I was really struggling. So they helped me to be able to get like private therapy. Cause again, the NHS therapy just wasn't, you know, it was like months and months wait list. Yeah. And it wasn't giving me any results anyway. So they were really like helpful and helped me out with that, which I'm so grateful for. But again, I didn't see that through because I didn't see shifts or results. You know, I did like the course of however many they said. And I still had depression. I still felt anxious. The depression medication wasn't working. It actually made me worse. So I didn't want to go on it. And I was in a pretty helpless space at that point. So during this part after the bank and after the debt, as I was clearing it, I came across extreme couponing, which is probably the most random thing people are going to hear on this podcast. So I needed a way to get out of debt. I was 20. I had seven grand debt, working part-time retail. It was not good pay. And I saw the TLC show Extreme Couponing and I thought, wow, like if all these people are saving like thousands of dollars worth of food and, you know, money, then could I do this here in the UK? And then that would take the pressure off things and I could clear that deck and, you know, then work towards a job that I really wanted to do and, you know, just get my mental health in a better space as well. And I started doing it and when I, you know, I'd look online and there wasn't really much in the UK at the time. It was very taboo. It wasn't spoken about. And there was very, very limited resources on any kind of teachings or availability of coupons. So I took it upon myself to find these coupons. And within a few months, literally like the show, uh, my spare room was literally like the show you see with all the like stockpiles and everything. So um, it was an escapism for me, definitely. And I witnessed that, but a positive escapism because it gave me focus, it gave me purpose. It yeah, gave yeah. me during that time and um you know my friends were kind of just blown away by it they were like how have you got all of this stuff for free or how have you got all of this for such money and they used to like take things off and take things home themselves and you know they said to me like you need to share this on Facebook like people would love to hear about this like you could help so many people who are in your situation as well like get out of debt and you know not have to pay um you know full price for groceries and stuff so Obviously, classic imposter syndrome. I was like, but who am I to do that? I'm just Emma. I'm a nobody. Like we have Martin Lewis. Why would I go and do that? Um, But after months of pestering, I did start up a Facebook group. And that was the kind of start of the couponing journey. That is so, so look, I might be the only person in the world that doesn't know this, but what is a coupon? A coupon? Nicola, how can you not know? I don't know. (laughs) I was like listening, I'm thinking, oh my God, she's going to think I'm so stupid. I did not, what, I don't know what a coupon is. The only thing I remember a coupon, I think, is I went to Butlins when I was seven for like £45 because my mum cut out, I think, a coupon from the Sun newspaper and got it for a family of four for £45. Is that a coupon? That is the coupon. There yeah, you go. No, no, no. Okay, okay. I'm not so <laughs> So you were You're not that, no. <laughs> running. So what you would find coupons for basically everything and then get the yeah. either free or half price. Yeah. So you could get things for like 50p. Sometimes they do promotions for like get this water detergent for 50p or something. Um, and obviously there are multiple ways to coupon. This is like me bringing up all my coupon queen oh, tactics. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to write a book soon <laughs> called Coupon Coupon Queen. Literally. So um, yeah, you've got your coupons that you can print out. You can obviously get them in magazine, like you say. 
lots of different places you can find those. Then you've got things called cashback apps, which, oh my gosh, are my best friend. I love cashback apps. They are so amazing. So for anything that you buy online, yes. Top Cashback is probably one of the leading websites that I would highly recommend. You can sign up for free. And basically you just use their link every time that you buy from like John Lewis or Argos or any retailer you can think of. You just type in the retailer, get your link, purchase whatever you're purchasing and you basically get a percentage cashback off your transaction price. So even when we moved into this house, I'm still doing it now because of it, Nicola. I got like 150 quid back from everything we'd purchased when we moved in May, just from buying the things that I was going to buy anyway. Amazing. So amazing. Yeah. And then you've got obviously sales and offers as well. So you can use coupons and cashback against offers. So if like the body shop has like a 40% off sale event then obviously you could get cash back and coupons on top of that so you can stack them as well there's lots you do wow wow and considering you're not like you know because i'd be like oh i don't i can't work all that out because i'm not very good at maths you know miss gcse d over here is actually the you know the the female answer to martin lewis like you said like and that is just so amazing that you you did that and so did you, were you able to make a business from that or able to make money from that? Or were you just saving money? Yeah, so in the beginning it was purely saving. Oh. I didn't know it could be a business, had no interest in running it as a business. Yeah. I just wanted to get myself out of a shitty situation. So once my friends had passed me to start up that Facebook group or Facebook page, I literally just started posting the things that I was finding, any good offers any deals things like that and it was called and still is extreme couponing and deals uk and about six months in the press because we'd got to like a hundred thousand followers so quickly like it just took off in ways i never ever imagined um so it got to a hundred thousand um this is purely just on facebook at that time because again that time of like in 2013 was literally facebook yeah. Um, the press started getting involved and they nicknamed me the coupon queen like I would be doing different articles in the press and then this morning got in touch and offered me a regular presenting role it was wild let me tell you so I kind of gone from this like leaving the bank thinking oh crap what am I going to do with my life to six months later I wasn't earning any money at this point until yeah. obviously the opportunities came in but it was just incredible to be able to not put people in debt now, but help them in a really positive yeah. way out of debt. So I feel like it was that 180 from the banking experience. Yeah. And it's almost like you've been so far the yin and the yang. You've been so far one way that you had to go the extreme other way to always like balance out that feeling of, you know, good and bad. So, oh my God, Emma, it's incredible. And did you take up those opportunities that came with, the, with that? Like, were you on this morning? Yeah, I presented on that six months back in 2016, I think oh, it was. Oh, I That is so, yeah, That's fun. I loved all those kind of um, experiences and things. So about, because obviously 2013 was, yeah, 2013 was when I started doing all of that. And then 2014, um, and I always say this is like the most synchronistic, angelic experience I've ever had because there's no explanation for it at all, Nicola. So um, about a year in to having this Facebook page, obviously I was doing press articles, the page had got really big. Um, 
there's obviously like other pages that existed and this man who ran this other page similar to me reached out and said Emma you realize you could be earning money from like everything you're posting on your page and of course me I was like this is a scam what are you trying to sell me like <laughs> this real and he was like no, no no I promise you it's not a scam he was like join my group here like just let me show you how I do it like I promise you like all these websites are legit affiliate marketing is legit Emma like I promise you so I joined his group and for about a week he literally taught me everything that he did in his business what to sign up to and everything and obviously they were all legit businesses course, yeah. so I signed up to all of it and within about a couple of weeks I was earning more money than I had ever earned in any job that I had ever had so I obviously wanted to go back and thank this man and be like thank you so much showing me how to do this yeah. like I'm so grateful like can I send you something to say thank you and his profile had completely disappeared and then his group and page had completely disappeared and obviously he had a really successful business so yeah. that made no sense to me because he had a business of his own so I searched for his name and I searched for this group it's all gone off Facebook and still to this day this man does not exist um, and I was like was he an angel like because I was about to say that, you know the fact that almost he's like your competitor he, that he was reaching out to you saying you know look I'm going to help you and not only Come on, I'm going to share with you what you need to do. I'm going to teach you. You know, that is, and it's not For like, free. I'm not going to teach you, but we have to collaborate so I get half. It's just, I'm going to teach you just because it's the nicest, right thing to do. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And then to this day, you've never heard, seen, oh my goodness. I'll find him. So, yeah, weird. And I'll get chills when I tell that story. Yeah, because yeah it makes no sense like you say it makes no sense for someone to teach me for free yeah. how to create um, and monetize a business and you know without that man I probably wouldn't have ever known how to do it I might have eventually but yeah. you know he really kind of kick-started me up really early on <clears throat> in that journey so yeah I ran that business for what well, up until 2016 2017 so 2016 is when I had my spiritual awakening. Okay. And again, throughout that period of time, the depression was there, the anxiety was still there. So I think from the outside, people would have looked in and thought, well, Emma, you're presenting on this morning. You have a hugely successful couponing business. You're earning six years. You've got a new boyfriend. You're living in a flat. But the reality of it was very different. Although I had all those amazing things, right. you know, my mental health still not there. I was still really struggling. So for me, I think the couponing really did save my life in many ways and gave me that <clears throat> positive focus to be able to put my energy into something positive over that time. So, you know, I thank that business hugely because I wouldn't have yeah. any of what I have today without it. And, you know, I so enjoyed running it. So it was heartbreaking when in, so I had my spiritual awakening, got into law of attraction and then realized that I, the business needed a team of people. It got so big at that point. I had no idea how to grow, scale it and manage it. Hell no. Yeah. So it needed a team of people. And I feel like I'd outgrown it as well. I still love a coupon. I still cash back, but it was more of a sense if I wanted to help people in a new way with this spiritual and law of attraction knowledge and money saving too because it's yeah. all relevant I yeah. killed money just manifesting it as well now so um it was hard to kind of like let go of that baby and manifest the kind of buyer for it but 
um, you know, I haven't looked back since and I've been doing my spiritual work since 2016, 2017. Um, and again, you know, almost like by complete fluke, but not really fluke. Um, you know, it's become what you see today and I'm so grateful for all of that. Yeah. So tell us your spiritual awakening. How did that look to you? Mess as hell. <laughs> like oh, messy. <laughs> So it was in 2016, again, in a not so great relationship. This was the second one. And I was still having panic attacks. The anxiety was really bad. The pressure was really bad. And now I was starting to have suicidal thoughts as well. So it really, really got to a dark place. Therapy wasn't working. Nothing was really getting through. So I felt kind of really helpless at that time because I was trying, like openly trying, but nothing was really resonating. Nothing was giving me that kind of long-term relief. It was kind of short, short wins that weren't really lifting the heaviness of that fog of depression sort of long-term or consistently. So again, I believe that's down to the circumstances I was in. I was in, you know, an emotionally abusive relationship. It was not good. Like mm-hmm. none of it was a good situation to be in apart from the couponing business. So that relationship broke down and that was really what triggered that spiritual awakening because I just felt so lost. I'd lost my boyfriend at that time. I was going to lose my flat. Like I was going to lose everything that I'd worked so hard for. And I felt so alone in that moment. So I remember looking out of my window at like 2am or something ridiculous and just looking up and being like, God help me. And I don't know why I called it God. I don't know why I addressed God, but I felt like it was my ego giving up and being like oh this is too much like this is too much and most of us like it's time Emma like it's time to remember who you are it's time to like you know get your shit together basically so a couple of days later after that moment I started hearing about the law of attraction and I googled how to turn a negative situation into a positive didn't really know why just typed it that's the only kind of vocabulary I had at that point and basically this woman came up and she was talking about this law of attraction and little did I know it was Louise Hay at the time and everything that she said just made sense it just was nice and like loving I was like this makes a lot of sense so again I started hearing more and more about this law of attraction I then came across the secret and I didn't really know what it was at all. I hadn't heard of it before it started Same. coming into my awareness, but I always joke that the law of attraction finds you. It's very <laughs> rare that you will find it. It always kind of finds you. Yeah. So that was definitely the case for me. And um, I just started again, a bit like couponing, reading everything I could about it, learning about it, because it wasn't like couponing, like where I felt I was learning something. It was actually like I was remembering something of like, oh, of course that's how life works. Of course that's why I'm in these really crappy situations. So um, it made a lot of sense. And within a few weeks, I saw huge, huge shifts in my mental health, huge shifts in self-love. I didn't even know how to love myself. So learning oh. self-love and you know things like in secret and the magic were hugely transformational for me because I finally learned, okay, here's how I can look after myself. Here's how I can support myself. So yeah, I saw huge shifts even in that first month of manifesting. Yeah. And I, and I feel like the majority, well, actually I would say 99% of people that I've spoken to on this podcast, of course, we all talk about the law of attraction and manifesting, whether you're a coach or not. If you've had success in life, I, I don't believe there's anyone on the planet that who's had success without knowing and understanding these things. 
And so whenever I'm like, you know, so when did it come into your life? They're like, well, there was this book called The Secret. The Secret. I mean, it changed my life. It changed. I, I didn't, you know, you didn't, I didn't even know. You don't know what you don't know, right? And so the words that The Secret, like, taught me, the, the opportunity for my brain, for someone like me, you know, it was even the biggest, like you say, the biggest life-changing read or I remember watching on DVD like 10 times in one day and even now I mean you watch it and it is quite old-fashioned especially at the beginning you know where she's like oh no it's just looking like some old beggar women like that bit but if you have it you are watching this and you haven't watched The Secret like it is on Netflix you can I'm sure you can just get it on YouTube now it is incredible it's actually incredible that everything is still you listen to it and you still hear a new thing even now and every the beginning of January every year I put it on just for like that comfort feeling of like, I'm going to manifest and in taking me right back. Cause when I first heard it, I was 27, um, 26, 27. So you'd have been, you know, like we were probably on the same, same age, weren't we, that we all heard it. Yeah. Um, and when you're ready to hear it, I felt like my whole body cracked open and absorbed that information and a new Nicola was born. And of course, you know, like, you know, like you've said it, you don't hear it and then go, okay, cool, right now, I'm, you know, I'm doing a podcast and doing this. It takes time to to learn things. And and for me, I don't know about you, but I had to learn a lot, unlearn a lot of things. You know, mm-hmm. my parents, very similar, what I believed was very, very similar to what you believed. You're just oh, like a normal working class English girl from a little village. And so the things that I, my dad and parents told me, I was like, oh, that's not true. <laughs> that's not true and and the beginning of, of that process was just life-changing my my favorite book in the whole entire world ever will always forever be the magic um which yeah. is i i remember reading that ma- the magic um i was on the tube going into london i spent going to an audition and i was reading it and i literally felt and i'm sure you got to kind of say oh that's because of this because of your your knowledge but i was reading it and i literally felt like my body was levitating off the chair and I was it was like I could I was looking down at the people on the tube who were like you know head down and you know tired and didn't want to be there and I was levitating it was like the frequency of my body was resonating so that I was just I was and it was it was like a spiritual movement um and that is again she's another Rhonda Byrne book called The Magic if you haven't read it get it it's for me it's like the bible and anything I go I need to go back to that. I need to go back to that because gratitude for me is the ultimate practice of completely shifting my mindset and and you know every everything that's happening within my life. Um, but and I, just that you mentioned that even in the first four weeks, you know, you had read those books and beginning of your transformation. So no. how did you go from I'm reading these, I'm learning this to I'm now going to be a teacher and coach? No, I think it was again a goal just like any of my kind of career choices to that point um but I just really loved it like yeah. just the couponing it was escapism it was something positive to put my energy towards I was feeling so much shifted from it as well so I could see how it benefited me nah. so um I just kind of casually dropped it in so at the time I had my YouTube channel which I've <laughs> done for like 10 years now which is wild and obviously I was talking about money saving 
And I just started to like drop it in of like, oh yeah, I've read this book because it was more of like a lifestyle channel anyway. Yeah. And I've spoken about a lot of different things, not just money savings. So it felt easier on that sort of channel to sort of be like, oh yeah, I'm reading this book or has anyone heard about the law of attraction before? So I just started dropping it in and people were like, yeah, I love the secret. Yeah, I've read it or yeah, I love the magic or yeah, I've been manifesting for years. So it was just kind of a natural conversation that just started to kind of like drop into my work. And then obviously it started to become more of a passion and it became more of a focus and more people were asking for law of attraction content. So obviously I was just like, well, yeah, I'm happy to like share what I'm learning, of course, but it was never something that I was like, hmm, maybe I could create a business out yeah. of this. But in that sort of like 26, it was mainly 27, I decided, right, it's time to let the couponing business go and sell it and, you know, let that be the full potential it can be. Um, but I was having psychic readings at the time and my psychic Rachel said to me, like, it's time to put both feet on your spiritual path. And I was like, what is she on about? Like spiritual path, like spiritual business. Like I'm not going to be a psychic. What is she on about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was also, very Also back then, and which it isn't that long a time ago, but it's long enough time that you didn't see people making money in those areas it was either you were like spiritual and you lived you know in a tp and you had your cards out at like local fairs that was the what you know that was the spiritual world um yeah and and you had no money but you were spiritual or you had lots of money and you there was no spiritual connection it's only recently in these last few years that it's like you know to, it's actually a business and both done well go hand in hand so i totally get why you'd be like what well, what i'm not gonna be some you know with a turban and an all like mystic meg she was the only person that was spiritual and they would like randomly appear wouldn't she on like saturday night telly what did mystic meg say and it was all kind of a bit of a joke wasn't it it wasn't it wasn't real it wasn't serious people didn't take it on as their truth it was like oh a bit fun so you know, you must have been definitely a, a pioneer, especially in the UK. I think America kind of took took hold quite a bit, you know, adopted the that spiritual movement quite a lot earlier than we did. But for you to do that and for your psychic, was she a tarot? Was it the tarot that she was doing? No, so she's a psychic medium. So she was just kind of like channeling those messages. Okay. But you're 100% right because it was still so taboo. It was just like couponing. When I started couponing, it was so stingy and so taboo and all the press were like trying to paint me as this kind of like really stingy, like scary person trying to like coupon. <laughs> but it couldn't have been further from the yeah. truth. Like it never was like that. So I feel like myself and obviously others who then started doing it, like we all changed the face of couponing in yeah, the UK yeah. and made it positive like conversation and don't. thing that happens now where people don't feel ashamed to buy a coupon or don't feel ashamed to save money and be savvy with their money yeah um and i feel like the same thing happened with manifesting where i was like right okay people are probably gonna think i'm mad people are probably gonna think she was talking about couponing and now she's talking about manifesting <laughs> like what has happened here like yeah. we can't take it seriously but honestly nicola it was the opposite people really opened up to it no. and People really enjoyed that content. And I think that was confirmation for me of like, I'm on the right path and like, this is needed. So, you know, obviously I've been talking about that ever since 2016. So the faith of manifesting, the faith of spirituality in the UK has 
hugely changed. Yeah. The opportunities have hugely changed. And now my partner jokes who I'm with, he's like, I can't watch one show ever without someone talking about manifesting. He's like, ever since I've met you, I knew nothing about it before. And now all I'm hearing is manifest manifesting. So it is wild, even in the last three years, how much it has gone mainstream. And it's so amazing and rewarding to see that because now more and more people know about it and it's yeah. more socially acceptable. It is changing people's lives in ways that, you know, it wasn't just able to get out there back in 2017 when I started. Yeah, definitely. And also I think when, and especially with the secret, kind of the launch of that, it was also focused like manifesting on having things, things and money. And so, and which is obviously nice, you know, we all like those things. But actually, I feel like now we've shifted on to manifesting wellness and manifesting health and manifesting and, you know, and actually having the the thought process that actually, if I'm not feeling very well, could it be because my thoughts right now are not helping the way I feel? You know, and maybe the doctor doesn't have all the answers. Potentially, it could be my thoughts. And that in itself, just even opening up those conversations it's life-changing, you know, it's it's changing on another another level. And so, Emma, tell me then, how did your business develop? You know, you did you, you start, obviously had your YouTube channel. Did you go into coaching one-on-one first? Was that, was that the easiest path to do that? No, like, yeah, I started onto one quite early on, but I would say, so I had the YouTube channel, I had my Instagram platform, um, and I had a Facebook page for me as well as the couponing okay. Facebook. Yeah. So I'd already, weirdly, I guess I must have been like secretly, like energetically planning this for years before I even spoke week. But I had this kind of like coupon queen lifestyle kind of facet to the business anyway. Wow. So all of that then just kind of rebranded into just me really. And obviously I dropped the coupon queen once I'd sold the business. It was still, and still always will be a part of my story, but then I was like, right, it's spiritual queen's time now. It's spiritual queen is the brand moving forward. So I had the platforms there. I had the audience there, which I was really lucky to have. Yeah. Obviously, the business meant I did lose quite a big portion of those followers because some people didn't want to know about spirituality. And that's cool too. Yeah. So I was lucky to have some base and some kind of place to start off from with an active, engaged community there. But equally, I still had to establish myself in this sphere. I still wasn't taken seriously because this couponing was attached to me. Like the amount of opportunities that weren't given to me after I'd applied to them because they were like, oh, we're not sure people are going to relate because of the money connection. Yeah, huh. like we, we don't like that you're associated with the coupon queen. Like it's not really what we want. So there were lots of challenges that I actually faced, even rebranding into just me and obviously spiritual queen. So um, I actually <laughs> launched a calendar to start off with. It was really random. I was like, I'm going to make a law of attraction calendar. Um, and we're doing our seventh one this year. It's literally stayed a tradition. So I created this A4, just like 12 month calendar. And that was the first product that I sold. And then I created some like quotes and prints that I sold in my Etsy shop and my website shop. So that's actually the first sort of things I wow. sold and created in the yeah. business just to get some income recurring there. Um, and then I started getting asked on YouTube because obviously I was solely focusing on of attraction videos then, um, you know, do you do one-to-one -one coaching? And obviously I was like, no, like, what are you on about? Like, no, I don't coach people. I'm just yeah. there. Um, and the more and more like kind of questions and queries and emails that came through, I was like, okay, 
I do coach people. I just don't have the qualification. Like I'm yeah. coaching people online, obviously through videos and stuff. So I just thought I'm going to explore getting qualified. I'm just going to explore how it's possible. Is it possible? And I went and did a course, which took about six months. And then during that time, I took on kind of like pro bono clients just to, because I felt bad charging people when I didn't really know what I was doing at that point anyway. So I just kind of said to them, look, I'll take you on, but it's going to be for free. And you need to know that I'm in training, like I'm not qualified to do this yet. And obviously they were all happy to do that. So it was really nice to kind of have that first connections with, yeah. you know, my followers and my community and to be able to help them. And obviously they absolutely loved it. Um, and got so much from it. So then when I was qualified, I could then start charging and be like, right, I am a coach now, put the hat on, so to speak. So yeah, it was a process. I wouldn't say it was the first thing that I did or something that I, when I went into my spiritual business that I was like, I'm going to be a coach. It was mainly the focus of YouTube and products that I kind of started off with. Yeah. It's just brilliant. I just also feel like just listening to you, I feel like hopefully people can here at home as well that it's just what I feel like the whole time even when when you had you know your anxiety and depression all that what you actually really did is trust your instincts and trust your intuition didn't you like the whole the connection through all of this even then when you weren't feeling right you still let your inner guidance lead because you know well I didn't think I'm doing the coupon but it felt right like I didn't think of this spirituality thing but I kind of lent into it you know, and no one can teach you that. You know, that in, that connection that you have with yourself is very, very powerful. And do you feel that yourself, like that your intuition is strong? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Like I wouldn't have said when I wasn't spiritual, like, oh, it's my intuition guiding me. Of course not. But I had so many spiritual experiences way before I was even spiritual yeah. around meditation and around spirit, around intuition, down it's that now it's really easy for me to kind of look back and be like, that's exactly what was happening. You were following yeah. your intuition, you were receiving downloads from the universe. But for me, it's just always been this kind of like unspoken determination. And one of my um, friends who used to be one of my um, performing artists back in school, I say friend, she's like 10 years older than us, but she always kind of felt like our big sister, even though yeah, she yeah. was our teacher. She said, Emma, like knowing you from such a young age, she said, you always had this determination about you. And she said, I don't know why, but like you just always did. And she's super into law of attraction as well, which is lovely. So it's nice that we kind of all grew into it. Um, but yeah, like I would say, there's just been this determination throughout my whole life, which yeah, could be a trauma response. Absolutely. Yeah. But also I think it is more deeper than that and actually more of that knowing that intuition like when i was about eight years old i remember going into wh smith with my mum and saying my book's gonna be up there one day and she was like what are you on about emma like and i am an author now so something in me knew yeah that i was gonna write books even in the couponing days my goal was to write a book i didn't know how i didn't know what it would be about i assumed couponing and it didn't happen. And I'm glad it didn't happen at that time because I love writing spiritual books. That is my calling. So even something like the orb work has always been there, even though yeah. I've been terrible at grammar, even though I've been terrible <laughs> at um, oh no, I can't, I can, I string a sentence together when I started the couponing <laughs> business. So, you know, I used to write blog posts every week for the coupon blog and that taught me how to write. That taught yeah. me how to you know, be more grammatically correct and word things and communicate with people. So yeah, I, I strongly believe that everything leading up to now has 
given me the experience yeah. and what I needed to be able to do this work. Yeah. And and how do you feel about timing? Because obviously listening to your story, you know, like when you're on like the path of growth and you're when you've got a vision and you're going for that goal and you want something, sometimes it feels like the journey is slow and you're like, why is this happening to me right now? Because you know, that has got nothing to do with where you want to be. And but ultimately it has everything to do. You know, like you just said that without you writing the, the blogs for the coupons, you wouldn't be the writer that you are today, even though it's on a totally different thing. So what's your thoughts on the, the like the timing of your life? Mm, I love this because it's one of my favorite quotes. So before I was spiritual, I got a ton of tattoos. I still get tattoos now, but I call a ton of tattoos, Nicola. And one of them on my side is nothing before it's time. And this was a oh. quote that I heard on a really random TV show during my depression days, I remember hearing actress, I'm sure she was talking to Oprah. It might've even been like a super soul kind of episode. I can't remember, but it yeah. was some chat that this actress was having with someone I think a bit like Oprah. And she was saying, you know, my favorite quote is nothing before it's time. And I was like, oh, I love that. Gonna get a tattooed on me. So <laughs> I've always had that quote follow me around throughout my years, way before I was into any of this stuff. I think now more than ever, that quote still is as potent to me today as it was back when I was 18, because I look back and I'm like, gosh, if I had manifested that relationship then, like I wouldn't have been able to sustain it. I wouldn't have been in the right frame of mind. Of but I was so desperate to have it back then, but thank God it didn't have at that yeah. point. You know, I look at when I found spirituality, I look at when I started writing my books, you know, I had so many rejections for my book proposals and still do to this day. Like obviously yeah. you have to pitch your book to like multiple publishers. I still to this day get rejections. Like I have faced so many rejections in my work over the years, but I know I'm like, okay, all of this, these no's are just getting me one step close to that. Yes. I only need one. Yes. That's it. I don't need 10. I don't need eight. I just need yeah. one. Yes. From the right aligned publisher or the right aligned person or whatever. So yeah, like nothing before it's time. And that can comfort some people or scare some people definitely hearing that. But I would definitely encourage the people who maybe feel anxious by me saying that or do feel like, I just want it to be now. I'm like, enjoy where you are today. Um, you know, I said this to my friend the other day who was sad about being single and I said, cherish these moments because one day you'll have your partner you'll be living with them you might have some kids that are like you know stressing you the hell out <laughs> and you'll think oh why did i not appreciate those days yeah. when i was single in my flat and reading about the law of attraction and doing whatever i wanted to and that's the beauty of life you know this too shall pass and we're going to be in a new season of our life that's just how life happens and in six months time you'll look back and you don't want to look back and think god i wish i'd appreciated that more i wish i'd be more present with that so even now when you know i look at things to come in my life or things i want to work towards i'm like no here is perfect yeah there are so many blessings for me to experience here and now and that will come because it always does. I don't need to worry about that. And actually I can enjoy where I am now and trust that there is a perfect timing for that in my life. And that perfect timing, I'm gonna be able to enjoy to the fullest. I'm gonna be able to sustain it and keep it to the yeah. fullest. And it's gonna be so worth it because I had this period where I had to wait. 
Um, and I think when we have time frames where we are waiting for a manifestation or we are working on ourselves, we appreciate it so much more because we know what it took to get there. Yeah, absolutely. And we both, you and I, talk about the universe. I mean, I talk every other sense that, well, you know, the Venus is this, the universe is that. The people who are listening to this, who are like, what do you mean by the universe? Well, how would you describe that to people? Yeah, um, I always say you can use whatever term or phrase suits you. Obviously, I usually must say Nicola, but people could use God. They could mm-hmm. use source. They could use their higher self. Um, you know, there's so many different ways you can address, you know, the universe, so to speak. I think you <laughs> is like more universal and kind of a bit more less religionly, religion, yeah. I guess. But um, yeah, I think it's whatever works for you. Whatever you resonate with is always the best answer. And I think there's no right, wrong way to dress the universe, God, source, divine self, whatever. Like it's whatever you feel most cool to work with because then you're going to have that deeper connection with yeah. source, with the universe. Yeah, absolutely. And talking about manifesting, how on a, how does your manifest, what does your manifesting process look like? You know, so obviously you manifested your life and your books and the career and everything that you have and your beautiful relationship that you now have. But to achieve those things, where, what is this like starting process for you to get there? Mm. Well, first of all, you've got to work. Definitely. You've got to put those intentions out there. Um, I do believe there's five steps to the law of attraction process because in the secret, in the magic, obviously under burn teaches the famous three, ask, believe and receive, which mm-hmm. are great. They're all steps and they definitely serve us. But when I came to write books in 2018, I thought, okay, right, let's accumulate all this data. Like, what did I do to manifest this? What was I doing at that time? What's really worked for my clients? What hasn't for people? What do I see not working for myself? And I started to see these kind of like correlations to actually the believe to receive step is this massive hurdle, this massive leap. And it's like asking is absolutely important, but then believing is kind of what, you know, you must believe that you're worthy and deserve you must believe the universe can serve it and then boom, you receive it. It's just not that simple. I wish it freaking (laughs) there with our billions on our yacht living our best life um but it can be simple so as the ever practical virgo that i am you know i wanted to break this process down into easy more tangible steps that people could really identify that's where i am on the you know scale that's where i am in the process so i actually believe after the belief steps so the first step is ask where you need to ask but ask for clarity yeah because if you're like i want to manifest the money the universe is like great there's a fiver and you're like what i wanted a thousand pounds and the universe is like well i didn't know that you know i'm reflecting to you your level of clarity i'm reflecting to you who you are so um you need to show up with clarity so how much money do you want to manifest what you could spend that on, what's it going to go towards. The more clarity you can have, the better with things. Absolutely. Um, It just saves a whole lot of unclear manifestation process. So definitely be clear and concise in what you're asking for. The second step is believe, which is still one of the original steps, which is yes, believing you're worthy and deserving. Yes, believing you can manifest this into your life. But I believe this step also goes deeper into the inner work. So it looks at what's in between you and your manifestations. So 
what are any blocks or fears like we spoke at the beginning the inner work that may need to happen to be able to align with that version of yourself who is experiencing and has that desire so it's very much the kind of energetics in that step of what is blocking you from having that right now which can be mindset and beliefs absolutely so the third step is trust and that's a new step and this step is really important because it's where we take our aligned and inspired action so manifesting is a co-creation process and we must go 50 percent of the way and the universe will meet us 50 percent not 90 10 it's not 10 90 50 50 street so in this third step is really where we meet the universe at that halfway point we take aligned and inspired action so if you want to manifest a career are you putting yourself out there is your cv updated have you got the outfit to go to that job interview? Are you ready to receive that basically? So you put yourself in the field of opportunity and possibility in that third step. And yes, trusting the process. Yes, trusting the timing of your life. Absolutely all those things as well. So then you're at that 50% mark. And then the fourth step, I believe, is letting go. One of the most important steps, but the one that is missed out every single time (laughs) of teaching. I had never let go in yeah. like a day of my life before learning how to let go and surrender. Um, I was definitely a controller, a classic Virgo. I will make this happen. Um, and that's just not how manifesting works <laughs> at all. So learning to let go and surrender was hugely transformational for me. And I think people misconstrue letting go with giving up of like, yeah. oh, it didn't happen. Yeah, I'll just give up. I'll manifest something else. No, letting go is letting go of your attachment to the outcome, letting go of the attachment to your desire. So we're surrendering into that place of trust because we've already gone through that third step of trust. So mm. we are trusting. Letting go and surrendering is actually one of the most natural things we can do, but possibly one of the hardest to master because yeah. if the three prior steps aren't done properly, people can think they're letting go and surrendering, but they don't even trust. They haven't even gone through the mindset work in that second yeah. step. So actually step four is quite easy when you've done the two prior steps for sure. So it's relaxing into that space of, I trust the universe is this now, like I can hand this over, I am ready to receive. And then step five is receive, which is still a step. Um, I know Rhonda Byrne teaches a lot about celebrate, express gratitude, your desires here, and that's all true, but that's the second part of receive. You have to be in the energy and frequency of receiving to receive your desires. So it is still a step, absolutely. And it's, you know, allowing yourself to receive in all areas of your life. A lot of us, especially women, are the givers. We like do yeah, everything for yeah, everyone. Yeah, yeah. So true. So I always say, like, how much do you allow yourself to receive in life? Because your relationship around receiving will reflect your relationship around receiving your desires as well. So um, big, big work for me there for sure. Yeah, same, same here. Receiving that, even even now, I I still have that, you know, for example, just simple, um, people message me, Nicola, I'd really like to gift you something, you know, for, and I feel like, oh no, don't worry, let me pay for it. Uh, <laughs> like, like Nicola, you know, you're, you're helping them or, you know, or we'd like to pay you for a promotion on your Instagram page. And you're like, oh gosh, am I worth, am I worth that? thousand pounds am i worth that 500 pound you know it's it's even in this the day-to-day inconsistencies of my normal life and also i have built up my instagram page because i want that because i want those things but then when it's coming to you you're like oh am i worthy am i worthy so it is it's all about making sure those steps are in place because then 
Yeah, of course I can. And it's going to be this much because I'm giving and receiving at the same time. Um, I just love that. Can we just talk about money and um, manifesting? Because what I have seen, and especially again, why women friends, we all want our own money. We're happy to work hard, but it's like it comes in my hands and it slips out my hands. It comes in my hands and it slips out my hands. Why is that? Beliefs, definitely. And there's okay. so many different limiting beliefs we can have around money. Oh my gosh, yeah. like money mindset is like a whole podcast episode on itself. Yeah, I know, but- I know. <laughs> but um, yeah, it comes down to your beliefs and your okay. relationship around money. And um, I always say to people when I do like my money workshops, I'm like, look at your parents' relationship between like between them and money. Like, how was your mum's relationship? How was your father's relationship? Yeah. Or your caregivers? And now is your relationship and who do you reflect? And normally you can say, oh my God, I'm so like my dad or I'm so like my mom. Or, you know, you can relate it to, oh my gosh, my parents always used to say like money doesn't grow on trees. So now I have that mentality. Yeah. So there are lots of stories and that one's really common. The amount of times I've heard that one in sessions as well, Um, especially with women around worth with money is a big, big one. Why is that? Because that really annoys me. Is there one thing, it's like women and money and worth. It's because I've gone through that massively. I mean, I used to drive through the nice parts of London and feel unworthy to even be in my car driving through the nice parts of London. The deep-rooted feeling that I don't have any money, so therefore I am of no value, Was is not anymore, but is like connected like glue. Why is that? And especially for women, what? Why am I? Help me. Society, ancestral trauma. I mean, really, you know, our mothers were the sort of first generation to really have their own money and have independence and decide if they want to work, be a mother, be a provider, whatever, right? Obviously, now we have such a privilege of choice. Like, we can have it all. We have so many more benefits and quality wealth. Still not perfect equality, but more so than what our parents had for yeah. sure, and you know our grandmothers, etc. So there's a whole other layer to the inner work where we can actually have ancestral trauma passed down through our line, and we absorb that as well. So, for instance, you might have an irrational fear, or even like a money story that you know your mother's had, your grandmother's had, your great grandmother's had. So we're also kind of like healing for the generations as well. We're not just healing for ourselves. We're stopping those patterns. We're stopping those money stories in their tracks so that you know, the next generation, whether we choose to have children or we have children at the moment, you know, those stories don't get passed down to them. So it's really important that you know, there are positive money conversations. We are not taught in school how to deal with money, how to earn money, how to save money. It's just not taught. So how can we experts in something that we're just not taught? Um, And, you know, like I said, even from a societal point of view, women have only really been in charge of their own finances for so many decades. So it's not something that has been around for ages you know like your children Nicola and my children when I have them one day they'll have that privilege of seeing their mums being financially independent having their own money so that's going to be such a more positive impact on them for when they grow up and they go into the big wide world so I think those dynamics will change but I think we're the generation we're the change yeah we're breaking those patterns so yeah it's so right it's what our parents taught us it's society, it's yeah. so many things. We yeah. have the power to change that. 
Yeah, and we absolutely are. Emma, what is next for you? I feel like, you know, as I hope you're right, you're only 30. Like that is so young to have achieved and experienced life and also done the healing work. You know, I didn't even know what personal development was until I was 31. So first of all, I just, you're very inspiring to have created what you created, but I feel like this is just the tip of the iceberg for what is next to come. So share with us, what what is the vision for, for you for these next 10 years? Yeah, I mean, I don't think I have a concrete plan. I don't think, I think now I'm relaxing more into my feminine energy. I'm like, I'm just gonna yeah. go with the flow. Oh, That's really yeah. served me well. So we'll see, we'll see what happens. I am writing another book, so I'd love to be able to birth that book and bring that book out into the world. Um, I'd love to continue what I do if I'm lucky enough to be able to do it for another 10, 20, 30, 40 years. I'd love to do it. So yeah, for me, it's continuing on with the greatness, deepening, yeah, like healing any layers that come up for sure because it is a journey. Um, And just getting to enjoy life now. For me, it's about enjoying hard work. It's about enjoying the stability and incredible business that I have set up over the last 10 years to now support me and be like, you know what? If I want to take some time off, I can. If I don't want to write a book this year, I don't have to. So for me, it's about enjoying that time freedom now and yeah, just allowing even more people to learn about the law of attraction. I know because I feel like, oh, everybody knows about it now, but they really, really don't. It's only because our little bubble and our little you know, network of people that we see on Instagram or TikTok or our friends, we all know because we that's why we're connected. But I would say still what, 90% of the, the world have no idea or they might have heard the word banded around and it's a bit woo-woo and people still, you know, really, really think, you know, like that, don't they? So these next 10 years will be, and, and I don't know about if you, I already feel like it's the awakening of the, common man like the normal person to learn about these things but also to know that it's just before I knew about them I remember feeling like I'm just another person living just another day no I'm not any I'm not special and I don't even know I don't even realize I have these thoughts that I'm having every day and so that awakening like that behind the curtain seeing behind the curtain for the first time the more that we can open people's eyes to that the more liberated free happy this world would be and you know you are just like leading that way especially here in the uk it's just so inspiring so my final question to you and this is the question i ask absolutely everybody on this podcast is what advice would you give to your younger self oh i would say it's all gonna be okay it's gonna be an interesting path <laughs> and um you're gonna do some incredible things and have amazing opportunities but you're so loved you're so held and anything that you put your mind to you will be able to create in your life and what's awaiting you is going to be everything you've ever wanted and more you're going to be really happy <laughs> oh god I swear, I think you're the person of my, all of my interviews. I have had a, what I call it chicken skin the most. And like every, every five minutes, I'm like, ooh, ooh. <laughs> maybe, maybe we're just empathizing together and connecting through the airways, Emma. But 
It has been my biggest pleasure speaking to you. I feel like I could, I've uh, about a hundred more questions and we'll just, you know, want to know all these things, but this is just the first podcast. We're going to be here for a long time. So I'm sure we'll do another one further down the line. Um, it has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for really a truly honest, authentic, open conversation that I know so many people are going to be so inspired in so many ways, inspired to take action in learning, you know, going through their childhood trauma, maybe and I think this is, for me, people will listen to your story and there'll be things that you have said that will have sent them into a feeling of my body is reacting to that. If that is you, listen to it. Because what Emma might have said, your body is going, yes, that's me, that's me. It's like the whisper from your intuition trying to tell you something. Lean into that, follow that. Because that could be like Emma, you know, only after all the work that she's done, Still, only this summer is she is she revealing more and more and more and more about herself. You know, you think, oh, you know, she's she's got it made, but it's it's we are you know humans like filled with different levels and layers and layers. And so, if that is you, please go and seek help, look for, find the things, do the work. Because as Emma is a perfect example, it is absolutely worth it. Thank you, Emma, and um, I'll I'm sure I'll see you very very soon. Thank you so much for having me. 